Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. Here today, Amen. Why don't we just go to the Lord in prayer and ask Him to have His way in all of it and thank Him for it. God, thank You for another Sunday, another Lord's Day, the day that's been designated as a day that we set aside in our week, Lord, not just to rest, but to come and rest in you. In your presence, as we lift your name up in praise and adoration, you feel that praise every time, and your anointing comes, your power comes, your glory comes, and your voice comes. Lord, let all of those things happen today in this Sunday school class, Lord, and then in the 2 o'clock service. Just have your way in everything, Lord, every word, every thought, every deed, every choice, every decision. Help us, God, to respond to you, the flowing and moving of your presence and your spirit. Help us to respond to that the way you want us to. Help us to respond to the word today as it goes forth. We need that, God. We need that touch that comes only by hearing the preached word of God. We pray that your anointing would be upon us as we Listen today and are changed by it. Have your way in all these things, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, before you're seated, I want to read one verse of Scripture way back in the Old Testament. In the prophet, book of the prophecy of Jeremiah, chapter 2. Jeremiah, chapter 2. Jeremiah was known as the... Weeping prophet, that's right, Sister Cleta, the weeping prophet. The reason for that is because he was sad a lot of the time, his whole lifetime of ministering, telling Israel what God told him to tell them, and most of the time it wasn't good because they were backslidden, and uh, that's not a good thing, is it? Here's one of the things that uh, he had to tell them from God that wasn't all that good. Let's read it. Jeremiah 2 and 13, for my people have committed two evils. Number one, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Let's go over those again, the two evils that God's people Uh, He told them that they had committed. Number one, they have forsaken me. And then God refers to himself as the fountain of living waters. Isn't that true? And then secondly, instead of getting their spiritual life and vitality from the fountain of living waters, the Lord, they hewed them out or dug out cisterns. Uh, And they weren't just cisterns, they were broken cisterns so that they could hold no water. I'm going to talk to you today from this subject. Are you a cistern or a well? And I'm not talking about the kind of cisterns that goes with brethrens, okay? I'm talking about a cistern that is meant to hold water. Are you a cistern or a well? God bless you as he blesses his word. You can be seated. Let me just quickly define those Two things for you, a cistern, uh, God was talking about cisterns in this verse and himself as a well. That picture that you see there is kind of a quaint example, an old well that's somewhere or has been somewhere in this earth at some time 
It's just a picture I found on the internet. I don't even know if it still exists or not. But everyone here today recognizes what that's a picture of. It's a well out in the country somewhere. What is a well? A well is a source of water, drinking water. Now, we get our water here in Mount Vernon from Wren Lake, which is a man-made reservoir. And uh, it gets its water from mainly from rainfall and from uh, a river that flows into it. But if you don't live near a city large enough that provides drinking water for its residents, uh, let's say you live out in the country somewhere, you have to come up with your own water source. And um, people dig ponds or, or have ponds or sometimes they're fortunate to have a lake on their property uh, or some community source of water. But if there's nothing else, most of the time, now I'm a city boy, Brother David. I'm not a country boy like you. Uh, well, you grew up in Truman. That's, that's city, city enough. Uh, so I don't know all these things about how, you, how life out on the back 40, the farm is. But this is the way I understand it, that uh, you can just about uh, on pretty much any property usually find, if you dig down deep enough, a source of water. And uh, wasn't God good to create the earth in that way so that you can go a lot of places? Now, there are some places, some parts of the country where this isn't true, but I think pretty much in the eastern half, I know down south it's this way, and pretty much here in the Midwest from what I understand. Uh, and, and there are all kinds of ways, I'm told, uh, of finding where that water is. They have, of course, modern technology that can determine where the water is, how deep it is down the ground, how deep you'd have to, to dig or drill to get to that water. But most of those wells that I'm talking about are self-sustaining. In other words, the water is uh, replenished as it flows under the surface of the earth. And I don't know how God did all that, but it's a great thing that he did. So I've heard many people throughout my life talk about growing up on the farm and they had a well, even around here, that was their source of drinking water. The thing about a well that distinguishes it from a cistern is... Uh, a well, like I said, has a continuous source of water flowing into it if you dig down deep enough. A cistern, on the other hand, may look like a well. In fact, some of the pictures that I found on the Internet look exactly like a well. Uh, they, are, they are built like a well is built to hold water. But the main difference is, and it's a big one, is the source where the water comes from. In a cistern, there is no spring uh, or well coming up of water coming up from the earth. You have to put the water in it, and that's what it's for. A cistern is for holding water when there's no other source of water, and wherever you get the water from, it has to be carried or piped in or whatever. goes in a cistern, and then... Uh, the person using that cistern for their water has to go and they can draw it up, I don't know, with a bucket or maybe there's a, have it pumped up now, uh, newer ways of doing that. 
But the difference is uh, a well, here's the dictionary difference. A well is a spring or natural source of water. A cistern is a reservoir, tank, or container for storing or holding water. And the difference is a cistern has to have the water put into it. Now, let's, let's apply that to uh, our everyday living and walk with God. Let's, let's, let's make a spiritual application. I want to ask you a question. Did you ever look at someone and you could tell immediately that they weren't feeling very well? I mean, physically. Maybe they were sick. You ever looked at somebody and you knew they weren't feeling good? I've had people come up to me at church and say, Pastor, you're not feeling good today, are you? And you know what? Anymore, 99% of the time, they're right. Uh, well, let me just very quickly jump to the spiritual. Spiritual health sometimes is as obvious as physical health. Uh, sometimes, you know, when people aren't feeling good physically, it shows in the way that they look and the way that they act. Did you know that spiritual health can be the same way? Now, I've been pastoring 30 years in ministry for close to 50, uh, well, 45 anyway, and I can tell you, I, I've, I've seen it for many, many years. I, I can sometimes, a lot of times, tell when somebody is not spiritually healthy. Now, I'm talking about especially sheep that are part of the fold that I'm under shepherd over uh, by the direction of the Lord. Sometimes it's quite obvious, and sometimes it's not so obvious. But I can tell many times when somebody is not in spiritual good health. And uh, let me just say this. When you're full of the Holy Ghost, it's going to show. It's going to show in your actions, in your words, uh, in, in several ways. And sometimes... You know this is true when somebody's full of the Holy Ghost, they just have a, that, that glow on their face, that spiritual glow, don't they? Look at Romans chapter 12 and verse 11. Uh, it says, Paul's giving them advice, the church at Rome, and right in the middle of it, we're going to read this verse. He says, be not slothful in business. He says, be fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. I, I like the James Moffat translation of that phrase, be fervent in spirit. It reads, maintain that spiritual glow. So the Bible tells us that we need to be, Ephesians chapter 5 and 18, we need to be filled with the Spirit, doesn't it? Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. We know the Spirit means the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so, a, a lot of times, I would venture to say most of the time, most of us, our spiritual health is somewhat discernible. And, and when a person's health, their spiritual health is low or poor, then uh, he or she will not have that fervency of spirit, will they? Uh, let me just mention right quick one thing that will make us lose that fervency of spirit, that spiritual glow, and will definitely bring down our spiritual health is unforgiveness. 
You cannot have a grudge against somebody and be spiritually healthy. Uh, so I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. But back to Jeremiah. Jeremiah said this. He said, my people have committed two evils. Jeremiah 2 and 13, the text I read. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Could I submit to you today that every one of us, every Christian is one of the two. Spiritually, we're either a well or we're a cistern. And uh, a well would be someone who maintains that flow, F-L-O-W, of the Spirit in their life. How do we do that? By maintaining our contact with the Lord through our personal prayer life, our communion with Him every day, and, of course, church attendance where the flow of the Spirit is even more so usually than in our own individual life. Not always the case, but usually that's the way it is, isn't it? In fact, some people erroneously, incorrectly, they get the thought in their mind that, well, I need to go to church to get pumped back up, filled back up. Well, if you're down spiritually, then that's fine. I mean, you do need to do that, but that's not the way we ought to live. We ought to live so that we're connected every day to the source of the living water of God's Spirit flowing through our lives, through our prayer life. So... Uh, but back to this, this thing of unforgiveness. I, I want to talk about this because that's especially important for us to know. When we don't forgive, then really what we're doing is casting a bad light or casting away completely God's plan for our life. Because forgiveness is just a way of life uh, for God, and He wants it to be the same with us, and we're not going to prosper when we have unforgiveness in our heart. It's just not going to happen. Unforgiveness and, and holding grudges will cause your vessel, your spiritual vessel, to break and leak. You can't have uh, two polar opposites residing in the same place, the same location, the same container very long because they're opposing one another. Uh, and and that's, that's true in a lot of different areas of life, in the natural, in, in physical laws and physical science, and it's true in human relations, and it's true especially in our spiritual condition and our spiritual life. We are the vessel of the Holy Ghost. Paul said we have this treasure of God's Spirit, the Holy Ghost, in our earthen vessel. Our body is made up of the same elements of the earth, and this supernatural presence of God, when He comes into our life, fills us with His Spirit, gives us the Holy Ghost. That is the, the most fantastic experience we can have in this life because we are, we are now born again of the Spirit. But, but we have to be careful as we plot our way through life to make sure that we don't let certain things uh, hit on us Think of a hammer on a piece of concrete or a pot, 
you can get a crack in your vessel by certain things in this old world. Sin is one of them. Unforgiveness is one of them. And when you get cracks in your spiritual vessel, your spirit, then it's harder, it's more difficult for God's spirit to stay in there and for you to stay full of his spirit. So when you hold something in your heart against somebody else, you really become a what God calls here in Jeremiah a broken cistern. And eventually, if you don't fix things, you will end up being an empty cistern. Because when your heart isn't right with God, there is no way to maintain that fervency of spirit or the continual uh, flow and filling up of the Spirit of God. Jesus said, he said, I uh, am going to go away, but I'm going to come back in the form of the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. And at one point he called it living water, didn't he? So think of yourself as a pot and God coming Flowing into you is, is spiritual water, and uh, you want to make sure that you always stay as full as you possibly can. That's the goal. So if you've got cracks in your heart, cracks in your spirit, your spiritual health is lacking, whether it's sin or unforgiveness. Well, unforgiveness is a sin, uh, or lack of maintaining a connection with the source, lack of, if you don't have uh, enough of connection with God through prayer on a regular basis, then your vessel is going to start getting cracks in it, and what you have is going to flow out. Amen. But we want our spirit to be full of the Spirit of God, right? We want our vessel to be filled with the Holy Ghost. We want our cup as David wrote about in Psalm 23, to be full and running over. Let's just go to that Psalm, the 23rd Psalm. This is a beautiful Psalm. I'm just going to read the whole thing. Verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Now, this is what I want us to really notice today. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Then the next verse says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Brother Augusto, let's go back to verse 5 and look at that phrase. Thou anointest my head with oil. We understand, you may have heard this, I'm sure most of you have, that throughout the Bible, oil, and the oil that it speaks of here, the oil that the Jews in the Old Testament and still to this day in the land of Israel, the oil, when you hear the Bible talk about oil, literally it means olive oil. The, the Middle East is full of, uh, at least where 
things will grow. Now, there are desert places, but Israel, uh, a lot of Israel's territory is beautiful farmland, land that grows d several different kinds of crops. And from the beginning of the Jewish history, uh, the Jews uh, made great use of the olive tree. First of all, eating the olives, and secondly, the oil that comes from olives. Uh, I don't know if you know this or not. I've done some research over the years, but olives and olive oil, uh, olive oil is one of the, if not the most healthy kind of oil that God put on this earth as far as different oil coming from plants and different things that are used for food. And olive oil, in fact, many people will cook with olive oil because it's so much healthier than the man-made um, vegetable oil or oil that's processed from uh, peanuts, peanut oil, there's coconut oil, and other plants. Olive oil, I have been told, is the healthiest stuff you can use to cook with on the earth. And wouldn't you know it, God would put olive trees in the midst of the nation uh, that houses his people. And so they've used olive oil for centuries, and uh, they used it not just for cooking and eating. Here, David says, thou anointest my head with oil. They put it in their hair. Uh, God used this main staple in the Jewish diet of olive oil to very early on with the tabernacle to symbolize his spirit. And so from, from the tabernacle on, in the Old Testament, especially anytime you read about oil and God talking about oil, it is representing or symbolic of the oil of the Holy Ghost in the New Testament and in the church age in which we live. So David here says, you anoint my head with oil. And he says, my cup runneth over. Now, many of the Psalms are prophetic, and several of them are containing messianic prophecies, which means they have to do with the Messiah. They prophesy about the coming of the Messiah, which we know is, is the Lord Jesus Christ. For example, the Psalm right before this one, uh, we're not going to read it, but Psalm 22, uh, there is one verse in there that has that, that phrase that you'll all recognize. It says, David writes, says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now, David was writing literally because of some trouble he was in. And he was crying out to God. But we understand that that was one of the prophecies about the coming of Jesus. In fact, Jesus uttered those exact words verbatim on the cross, didn't he? How many remember him saying that at the moment that he was about to die? So uh, Psalm 22 was fulfilled when Jesus died and rose from the dead. And spiritually speaking, we are now living in Psalm 23 because it was a prophetic utterance from David, not just about what was going on in his life and how much he loved God and how uh, he was extolling God's uh, abundance and God's provision for him. God, you'll always take care of me. You'll restore my soul. You'll make me lie down in green pastures and, and lead me beside still waters and, and so forth. But 
really, we in the church are living in Psalm 23. Jesus is our shepherd. He's the good shepherd, it says in the New Testament. That's what he said in John 10. He said, I am the good shepherd. Uh, notice Psalm 23 doesn't say, the Lord is my shepherd. I am full of want. What does it say? It says, I am. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then Psalm 23 in this verse here gives us uh, a, a picture uh, of God's people being anointed with fresh oil. And that oil represents in the New Testament, in the day that we live in, the Spirit of God the Holy Ghost, that we can have living on the inside of us. Amen. So we're living in Psalm 23 right now because the Lord is our shepherd right now. He is uh, anointing our head with the oil of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And then he says in the last phrase, my cup runneth over. Let me ask you today, is your cup running over? That's a question we need to ask ourselves on a very regular basis. Or is my cup half full or one-fourth full? Uh, I would submit to you as your pastor today, if your cup's not full, if your vessel's not full of the Holy Ghost, as soon as you discern that that's the case, you need to do something about it. Get a fresh anointing a fresh refilling of the Holy Ghost so that your cup will run over. Now, now we understand that the, the New Testament especially uses several terms to talk about the Holy Ghost. It, it says the Spirit, God's Spirit with a capital S, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, the anointing. When you're filled with the Spirit of God and your cup is running over, it's going to show and it's going to look different, very different than when your cup is only half full or one-fourth full or running bone dry. Amen. Let me give you a New Testament example of this, Acts chapter 4. The disciples uh, were taken in for questioning because of uh, the miracle, the first recorded miracle in the New Testament after the church began on the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John went to the temple at the hour of prayer. They were going to pray. There was a lame man at the gate. Peter healed the man. And, uh, well, God healed the man through Peter. And it caused such a ruckus. The man got up, and everybody that had ever been to the temple saw this man. He was there every day. They knew he had been lame, unable to walk from birth. And so when, when he got healed, the Bible says he jumped up and ran into the temple, running and leaping, jumping up and down, and praising God. And it caused such a ruckus that the religious leaders, the same religious leaders, the high priests, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the chief priests, the ones who were responsible for crucifying Jesus, they saw that. They saw that it had been done somehow by Jesus' disciples, Jesus' followers, and they said, uh-oh, we're in trouble. 
if, if, if this man who's been healed, who was lame since he was born, since he came out of his mother's womb, then uh, if, if that's of God, first of all, we're in trouble because we messed up. Secondly, if it's not of God, then, then it's got to be of the devil. I'm just kind of paraphrasing here, reading between the lines. So they called Peter and John in to question them. Let's read it, beginning with verse 1 of Acts 4. As they spake unto the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. They laid hands on them put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now eventide. Albeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. Wow, 5,000 people got saved that day. Men plus women and children. It came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes, Annas the high priest, Caiaphas and John and Alexander, I don't know who all these guys were, but they, they called in all the big wigs. And as many as were of the kindred of the high priest, they were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set Peter and John in the midst of them, they asked them, By what power or by what name have you done this? Have you worked this miracle? The next verse, so I like Peter here. He says, Peter filled with the Holy Ghost. Now let's stop and look at that phrase. Peter was filled with the Holy Ghost. Okay, that's important. You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Why? Because there are so many advantages to being filled with the Holy Ghost. That's why you must keep proper spiritual maintenance. If you uh, let your roof leak too long, it's going to cause damage. To the roof. If you let your car go long enough without an oil change or something else being wrong, depending on how bad it is, your car is going to be damaged. How much more important than anything natural or physical or tangible in your life is your spiritual health and well-being? If you neglect your spiritual health and well-being, specifically by not staying full of the oil your car engine needs oil. Guess what? Your spiritual engine needs oil. If you don't stay full of the oil of the Holy Ghost, you're going to be damaged. And some people, sad to say, let it get so bad that it goes too far to where it cannot be repaired. Uh, well, it can always be repaired if they repent, but it gets to the point where they get so spiritually unhealthy that they backslide. And we all know people that that has happened to. Don't let that happen to you. Back to Peter. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. He said unto them, ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent or the crippled man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who you crucified, who God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. And then he starts talking about Jesus. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, 
which has become the head of the corner. By the way, he was quoting an Old Testament prophecy there. Verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Last verse I'm going to read, verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness, note that word boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Do you know why those two disciples demonstrated such boldness? It's because they were filled with the Holy Ghost. They didn't have a half full cup. They didn't have a one-quarter full cup or even a three-quarter full. They were completely, their vessel, full of the Holy Ghost. Uh, and the Bible here plainly says it wasn't anything in their natural ability. It says they were ignorant and unlearned. They were uneducated. They were just fishermen. That's what they did for a living. Uh, so what all of those highly educated men, the priests and the Sadducees and the Pharisees and Caiaphas and all these Jewish religious leaders, what they saw when they looked at Peter and John was not uh, theology. It wasn't uh, psychology that these disciples knew, but it says they took note that these men had knowledge of Jesus. They didn't know a thing in the world about theology, but they knew Jesus who was, as John wrote, the Word of God made flesh. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with education. Get all you can get in the will of God, but you better not leave out knowing Jesus. Amen. And that doesn't mean just knowing about him. It means knowing him in a personal, intimate relationship. Paul said, I count all of that other stuff as dung. Does everybody here know what dung is? Okay, we won't go any further than that. Paul said, everything else in my life that I used to count as valuable, my education, my degrees, my being taught by the greatest professors of the land, etc., etc. He said, all of that is, uh, well, I won't say stuff that's coming to mind, but it's dumb. Compared to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Praise God. So the disciples, they knew the Word of God, and they had the Holy Ghost, and they were full of it, and my friend, that makes all the difference in the world. If you get away from the Word of God, and if you get away from the Holy Ghost, then you've gone too far in the wrong direction. Amen. Because they were filled with the Holy Ghost, they had this boldness. Verse 13 said, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. And I want you to understand that. Being filled with the Holy Ghost will give you boldness. Jesus said in Acts 1 and verse 8, right before he left the earth after his resurrection, he said, ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and some things are going to happen because of that. He said, you're going to be witnesses unto me, and he began to list different places. Finally, the entire world, the boldness to be a witness and the power 
which, by the way, that, that word there, the original word he used was dunamis. It's the same root word we get our English word dynamite from. That kind of power. You will have dynamite, explosive power, and that includes boldness from being filled with the Holy Ghost. So how do we have the testimony that God wants us to have among the people of this world, the lost? By being filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. So we need to be constantly in a state of being filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. We need to stay in God's presence and in the Word of God uh, as often as it takes to maintain a fresh anointing and a fresh refilling of the Spirit. Now, you get the Holy Ghost the first time. You receive the Holy Ghost one time. Okay? The first time. That only happens one time. But you can be refilled with the Holy Ghost over and over and over again. And not only can you, you should do that. You should make it your goal in this life to stay full of the Holy Ghost, and that takes spending time with God getting refilled over and over and over again. This is one of those things in life where more is better. That's not always the case, but this is one of them. More is better. The more Holy Ghost you have, the better off you'll be. So the question is, do we want to be a cistern? That is where water comes in and there is no fresh replenishment taking place, but it is left to grow stale and, uh, and usually coinciding, as I spoke about earlier in this lesson, coinciding with that will be problems because if you're not opening up to get a, a fresh refilling on a regular basis, it's usually because there are spiritual problems in your life, whether it's sin, lack of spiritual discipline, or you just don't love the Lord enough to do it. You don't want to draw near to Him to get the refilling. Whatever the case, these things cause cracks in the cistern, and what water is there, spiritual water of the Holy Spirit leaks out. Do you want to be that or do you want to be a well? A well. What's a well? A well is somebody who is receiving a fresh infilling, refilling over and over again. There, there are two things that Jesus said among many, but these two are so very important. And uh, I want to read them, remind you of them. I know you've heard them. John 7 and 38, Jesus said, he that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly, that word doesn't mean your, your physical belly, your stomach. It's talking spiritually. It really should be translated your innermost being. Out of your innermost being shall flow, that's such an important word, rivers of living water. When you are a well instead of a cistern, like a natural well, there will be a continuous inflow, like a, that natural spring that's feeding that well that's been carved out to hold the water that comes in from the spring. The, the, the well 
of the Holy Ghost, if that is continually operating in your life, that is, you have that continual flow of living water, the Holy Ghost, into your vessel, then you are going to be full. But if you're a cistern and you're not getting that continuous flowing in of the Spirit of God, then you're going to become stale. John 4 and 14 Jesus said, Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that wonderful? I'll say it again. Being filled with the Holy Ghost is recognizable. The people recognized that these disciples had been with Jesus and that they were full of the Holy Ghost because they spoke the word with boldness. So I'm going to say to you, if you've lost your boldness, you need a fresh anointing. And a fresh anointing will bring with it a bold, overflowing testimony. When you're filled with the Holy Ghost, there's going to be manifestations of the power of God in your life. Now, the Bible says God gives spiritual gifts as he wills. You know, we don't, uh, we don't determine that, but uh, we follow him. But if you're full of the Holy Ghost, God is going to be flowing through you mightily. Now, uh, there are some things that we have to add to that, like obedience. That's why the word is important. We have to know what the Bible says and do our best to obey it. Uh, and, and let me say this. You, you, you can't or don't need to sit around and wait on God to force you to do something. When you get filled with the Holy Ghost and filled with his word, then you're going to want to do something for God. You're going to want to be involved in his kingdom somehow in ministering as he designed us to do and to be. Amen. You know, I've been in Pentecost all my life, and I've heard things, heard some strange things and wild things, and so have you. Many of you have. Uh, there are some basic problems. There's always going to be a misuse of anything Anything that we have any kind of control or power over, man is going to misuse it at some point. Some people are. And uh, I, I know you've heard things like I have uh, about people. There, there's some people, when it comes to the supernatural move of God and the manifestations uh, of the Holy Ghost and the gifts of the Spirit and all of that, there's some people who don't believe in that uh, at all. And then there's other folks who have seen it taken to such uh, fanaticism and excess that they don't want it. They would stay away from it. Oh, I don't want to go to that church where they swing from the chandeliers. I, I don't think I've ever, I know I've never seen or been in a service where people s swung from the lights. But Pentecost uh, used to have that kind of reputation. And, and people simply use that phrase to uh, describe excess or fanaticism or going to the extreme. 
Bible says, let all things be done decently in order. I believe we can dance in the Holy Ghost and still be okay. Amen. Worship demonstratively, just like they did in the Bible. And when the Lord lets me, I'm going to teach that lesson again on all the Bible words for worship. And you'll find that they were very demonstrative, both in the Old and the New Testament. But uh, let's just do what the Bible says. Let's maintain our spiritual health. Let's be a well and not a cistern. Amen? How many want the Word of God to dwell in you richly, the way Paul said? And how many want to be filled with the Spirit, the way he said? Amen. Let's make sure we're in the flow of the Holy Ghost. The older I get in the Lord, the more I recognize and understand how very important the flow, the flow of God's Spirit is. Whether it's in my life as an individual, in a church service, I pray for every service at this church beforehand that the flow of God's Spirit would be as rich and vibrant and abundant as He can possibly make it. He is limited in how much He can do that by us. And perhaps I'll talk on that sometimes. He's limited by our hunger, first of all, for that. That's one of the main ingredients. Let's hunger for God and the flow of His presence and His Spirit like we never have before. What do you say? Let's stand together. Why don't we close out this Sunday school lesson time by prayer and ask God. Why don't you ask God for yourself? I want you to do this. Ask God for yourself and for this church to let the flow of his spirit be what he wants it to be. Amen. Let's pray. God, we love you today. Thank you so much for your word today that you've sent forth into our hearing. We pray that it would take root, bear the seed of being broken and then sprouting and growing into the full grown plant and bearing the fruit that you would have it to in our lives and in this church. We need the flow of your presence. We need the flow of your anointing, God, in our lives, in our homes, in our families, in this city, in our world. Oh, God, in our country, we need everything that comes with the rich, flowing presence of God and what it brings everywhere we need it. God, help us to understand that greater than we ever have before and help us to seek it more than we ever have before. Lord, let us seek the flow of your Spirit in every area of our life. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we'll thank you for it and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you today. Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. Calvary Church is located at 406 North 44th Street in Mount Vernon, Illinois. Service times are Sunday school at 1 p.m. every Sunday, except the last Sunday of each month, and worship service at 2 p.m. Also, we have an all-church service at 6.30 p.m. on Wednesday. Calvary Church is affiliated with the United Pentecostal Church International. Thank you and have a blessed day.